Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we spoke about Gen Z and how, despite some seeming contradictions, it's indisputable. Given there's more than two and a half billion of them worldwide, there are 40% of all consumers, and by 2018, they already accounted for more than $200 billion in buying power. Gen Zs, by any measure, are a factor to contend with. So today, we're focusing on something important to them as a generation, something called ESG and impact investing. Yet these themes have actually been around for years and have evolved into one of the most important trends for businesses, consumers, and investors alike. Over the past two years, investors have poured $1.5 billion into funds that call themselves socially responsible, while over the same period, there's been a net outflow from all other U.S. stock funds. This is the latest step in an evolution of so-called ESG, also known as environmental, social, and corporate governance investing, where people want their portfolios to align with their values and for those values, in some fashion, to have a positive impact on both the environment and our future. Of course, as with any boom or bubble, it brings its share of opportunists and imposters. So please don't take everything everyone says at face value. Regulators, for example, have been warning of potentially misleading statements where funds claiming to be ESG have significant holdings in companies that aren't. And it reminds us how many things in supermarkets have long been accused of saying their products are organically grown or gluten-free when, in fact, they're not. Or it's irrelevant. I think they call it greenwashing, right? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. But turning to what I think is one of the most urgent issues when it comes to sustainable investing, that's water. You know, I know you've been involved with this, Lori, and because we only touched on it in our podcast on future trends, I'd like our listeners to hear a little bit more about it. In 2016, I was in Israel and had the chance to visit a few of their power and water reclamation plants. And as you suggest, it was eye-opening. Did you know, for example, that Israel reuses 90% of its wastewater? And that's their largest facility in the Shaftan plant treats 97 million gallons a day. And that's just the Tel Aviv area. The effluent is treated both biologically and in soil aquifers, so it can be transported by pipe to irrigate 60% of the agriculture in the Negev Desert. 
And they've been doing this to the point where Israel, which is a desert itself, now has a surplus, allowing them to export water to their neighbors as a resource. You mean to countries who mean them harm or even deny their existence? You know, I know it's amazing, but true. And 90% recycling, you say. Gosh, that's four times higher than any other country. While here in the U.S., I think we recycle less than 10%. Well, that's embarrassing. Obviously, I think the lack of potable water is one of the most pressing world problems we face, not only to clean and reuse it, or through desalinization to increase the amount of usable water we have overall. We also need to do a better job of sharing these technologies with farmers, engineers, from California to Asia and Africa, and to find ways to use less for things like growing food. Just like people are already doing with things like clothing at places like The Real Real and Rent the Runway. <laughs> Whether to sell something they no longer need or simply to save or make a buck. Regarding ESG in general, there are three broad categories we want to consider. The environment, social change in policy, and governance. Regarding the environment, it starts with global warming, with an awareness of the role it may be playing in everything from increasingly extreme temperatures and what that's doing to our polar ice caps, to wildfires and flooding, and what we can do to make a difference. With social change in policy, it's about setting new standards and, when needed, new regulations that hopefully won't cut off our nose to spite our faces. That is, to make the transition to clean energy without destroying people's lives and other industries in the process before we can replace those jobs we'll be losing and the resources those legacy industries now provide beforehand. Like what happened in Texas earlier this year. In the very heart of our country's oil and gas reserves, they found, after it was too late, that their new solar and wind plants couldn't handle extreme cold. So they shut down right in the middle of winter and people died as a result. This didn't have to happen if they'd only given it a little more time and thought. And finally, governance. That is what state and federal governments can do in partnership with private enterprise to seed new industries, provide job training, and promote equal opportunity. So anyone who wants a job has a chance to qualify for it and find one. A couple of good or better, bad examples of the latter include what happened to companies like Wells Fargo and Volkswagen. As you may remember, Wells Fargo was fined and their executive team replaced because bonuses were based on the number of new accounts they opened and mortgages they underwrote, many of which never existed. For many of the company's employees, the drive to meet and beat their numbers each quarter eroded their culture over time. In the case of Volkswagen, that same pressure led the company to lie about the mileage and smog emissions of their cars and the energy savings people would get from using diesel. Before they ultimately turned things around, it cost Volkswagen billions of dollars in fines and a significant number of lost sales. You know, it's ironic, but according to studies from both Harvard and Oxford, whenever activist investors have gotten involved in general, it actually improved 
stock performance and led to a rise in their credit rating. So it's clearly in their own interest to follow these guidelines and for us as investors to encourage any publicly held company we might want to invest in to elect directors who are committed to guiding them on these and other matters of governance while senior management is busy growing the business. You know, the good news, I think, Barnaby, is that most companies are trying to be better citizens. You know, tax credits and incentives help to start things off, but innovation drives new products and services, like what's been going on with telemedicine. When it comes to impact investing, for example, few breakthroughs in my opinion, have the potential to lower the cost and improve outcome more than telemedicine does by delivering state-of-the-art medical care to remote and rural communities when until recently little or none existed. But it does seem there's still too many excuses, doesn't it? As Nathan Cummings found from a study he commissioned for his foundation, he said, nothing will ever be attempted if all possible objections must first be overcome. Like we said about Greta Thunberg in our last podcast, the clock is ticking. And luckily, from our point of view as portfolio managers, there are plenty of opportunities where we don't have to wait for those still making excuses, starting with some of the ESG indexes from companies like MSCI. And as I mentioned earlier, the SEC is already on the lookout for funds and institutions who say they follow these criteria, but aren't. That will help. Because companies now know there's a new sheriff in town who's making this a priority, and so then they should as well. And of course, it's something we've been taking seriously for a long time in our model portfolios. You know, gone are the days when all we worried about was avoiding the sin stocks like alcohol or tobacco. Instead of a policy of exclusion, it's more about inclusion, of looking for companies who embrace things like zero carbon and zero emission footprints and within aggressive timeframes. These days, driven in part by client demand and in part because of the passion we've seen from younger people about making a difference, it's inspired us to include this in our own thinking. And at this year's SALT conference with more than 3,000 investment attendees, a significant part of the agenda was focused on ESG, from green bonds and risk management and how to best address some of the gaps in wages and income. Well... Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammy of the Plutonomics Podcast signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable, and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. 
The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.